doing other other work. So, uh, but he, and he'll be up in the crow's nest here in a little bit. Um, but hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, Amen. We're here. Yes. It's good to see you guys, Salisburys. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, let's open up with prayer tonight, and then we're going to get right into the Word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is quick. It's powerful. It's sharp. It's a discerner. It's a divider. It's a healer. Thank you, Father, that as we hear your word tonight, Father, we have ears that are open to hear. We have eyes that are open to see. Thank you, Father, for understanding to come. Thank you, Father, for revelation to come. Thank you, Father, that um, thank you, Father, that your word is the boost that we need, Father God, tonight. Thank you that you said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we thank you that, Father God, tonight as we hear your word, that our faith will increase more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I am thoroughly enjoying <coughs> studying for these sessions and uh, just building our faith. You know, it's important that I don't care how long you've been a believer, how long you've been in the Word, uh, listening to the Word, listening to teaching, good teaching on the Word of faith, it's vital. It's, it's vital to us. I mean, the last, last couple of weeks that we've kind of been isolating ourselves, you know, I mean, it's, we've had Hagen running in our house. We've had Savelle running in our house, Nancy Dufresne's been playing all over the place, you know, just listening to word of faith teachings, you know, that are edifying us and building us up. And, uh, you know, and, and we listened to it like this, this morning, I was, uh, Dr. Barkley's doing a conference down in Clarksville, uh, Tennessee, <clears throat> and this morning he was telling stories about, uh, uh, oh yeah, his name just went right out, Lester Summerall. And I'm, I'm just like laughing and just because the stories, I've heard them over and over and over again, but I'm laughing just listening to the stories of faith and increase and how God moved and how God, you know, um, how Lester just operated in faith and how he developed his faith and how he moved in faith and how, you know, he didn't put up with nothing. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to listen to Lester Summerall, we had the opportunity to listen to him, but then also, to, we had him actually in our church in Marietta. He came and dedicated our TV station. And, uh, I mean, he was not a man that you messed with. He was a gruff old man, but you knew that he knew that he knew his God, and you knew that you knew that he knew who he believed in, and he, and he knew the Word of God. He knew what God would do whenever he spoke the Word. And uh, so just increasing ourselves in faith, it's, it's so important, especially even if you're not dealing with sickness, just dealing with the world in and of itself. You have to surround yourself with, with word or else you're going to get discouraged, yes, or else you're going to get, you know, all of a sudden we can go down that trail, that spiral trail downwards so quickly you know, just listening to news or listening to people around us or just going, you know, going to the store and seeing shelves that are empty and you're just like, what? 
what in the world's going on? What's happening? Is it the end times? Oh, no, we're all going to die. We're all going to go under. We're all going to, you know, so you have to build up yourself on your most holy faith. And that's from being in the word and praying in the Holy Ghost. How are you doing, Jeannie? Good. All right. All right. Good. So a couple weeks ago when Pastor was teaching the first session, he was teaching about wells. And the scripture that came to me, I just want to do a little review tonight. The scripture that came to me was out of Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. It says, therefore, with joy, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So I've created some wells up here tonight. And inside of them, and after, this, after we're done, you can come up and draw from one, two, three, five, however many you need. But there's a well of health and healing. There's a well of children. There's a well of peace. There's a well of finances and a well of identity. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about identity. We're going to talk about righteousness and faith. We talked about the week that I taught, we talked about con cognitive dissonance, meaning that, um, meaning that you're double-minded. You know, you're saying one thing, but you're doing something else. James chapter 1 says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't think that that man can expect anything from God. Because if you're unstable, if you're double-minded, you're unstable. You don't know, you know, am I, am I healed? Am I not healed? Am I prospering? Am, am I not prospering? Am I in, walking in love? Am I not walking in love? So, so we're conflicted. And so when that happens, we become double-minded and we're up and down and in and out. So what we need to do is we need to get on the path, the road that is straight and narrow. And yes, it's kind of like those weeble wobbles. You know, we weeble wobble. I might weeble wobble, but I'm not going to fall down. So, and that's what the word does. The word steadies us. The word keeps us steady. It keeps us on the straight path. And so that we can then come and draw from the wells of salvation. This morning, Pastor and I were talking about the scripture. I think it's either in Jeremiah or Isaiah. He talks about and says, go through, go through, go through the gate and pick up the stones that are in the way. So that those who are far off can see clearly how to get home. Now, we use that scripture a lot for praying for people who are, who are lost, who have, are backslidden. And so we ask, we ask the Father God, Lord, open up our eyes to see what stone it is that's in the road that they can't see to come home, to come home clearly. So we, ask, we pray and we ask God. And sometimes, you know, he'll open up our eyes and he'll say, you need to pray for the spirit of offense. You need to pray for, um, for the uh, a root of bitterness. You need to pray. So, you know, as we start into prayer and start interceding on that thing, God begins to open up to us how to pray then for that person. And so that's drawing, again, from the wells of salvation, whether it's your children, family member, whatever it might be. And so, um, so but we have to make sure that we are on <laughs> the same page that God is on, you know, that Jesus is on. You know, it's kind of like the man that came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so today we're going to talk about a few people who it says that, he, that they believe God. But at the same time, they believe God, but yet at the same time, their circumstance was not lining up. And so it takes us some time to get what we're saying with our mouth to get down into our heart to move the circumstance. 
okay? And so, you know, and, and don't get discouraged because it's not happening like this. Well, I spoke it in Jesus' name, so I just expect that it's going to be done. Well, you know, sometimes there's just some things that are in the way that you have to deal with. I remember one time I was praying for one of our kids, and I was on my knees. I could take you down to the house, show you right where the spot was that I was on my knees praying, and I was just crying out to God, saying, oh, God, just um, send, send labors across their pathway. And, and I remember hearing God say to me, why are you praying for them? And I was, I, <laughs> that's a stupid question, God. I mean, because I want them to be, get saved. So I started back in, oh, Lord, I just thank you that you're opening up their eyes, that the eyes of their understanding are enlightened. He says, but why are you praying for them? And I said, well, God, because I want them to fulfill the purpose that you have for them. That's just, what do you mean, why am I? So I started back in again. Oh, Lord, I'm just asking you that you, you know, and God said, why are you praying for them? And just like that, it was like my heart was opened up and I could see. I was asking God really what the question was, Lord, fix them before anybody finds out that my kids are living in sin. See, it wasn't about the kid at all. It was about me. So once, once my heart was revealed, I could deal with my heart then. And I could repent and say, Father God, help me. Help me, forgive me for being selfish. Because it's not about me, it's about them. And it wasn't long after that that God began to send people across our pathway that would give us a word, had no idea what we were dealing with, and would give us words, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, word of faith. And we take those words, and we would hold on to those words, and we would pray those words through, and we would confess those words. And when that kid would call and say, I don't want you praying for me, we'd hang up the phone and say, thank God she called. You know, we would found, find something to be thankful for. And, you know, and so, and then just on down the road, God just began to work and began to move and began to, eyes began to change and hearts began to move and change. And so, so we, so we hold on to the confession of our faith. And we make sure that we're steady, that, yeah, oh, my goodness, I can tell you that we're moved by what we see a lot. We are moved by what we see a lot, but we have to come back to the point, it's, it's like Pastor talked about last year, we have to recalibrate, and the Word is our, is our calibrator. It centers us. The Word centers us and helps us to get back on focus so that we are not then double-minded. So don't allow condemnation to come on you if you're like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Just make sure that you come back into calibration and you're centered and you're focused and that you get back into line with what God's word says. I know this is how I feel, but this is what God's word says. I know that this is what it looks like, but this is what God's word says. I know that this is what my checking account looks like, but this is what God's word says. I know that, but this is what God's word says. So we're moved by what God's word says and not by what we feel or what we see. Okay? Does that help anybody tonight? Yeah. All right, good. So we talked about con cognitive dissonance, that we have to make sure that we are not being double-minded 
in all of our ways. All right, tonight I want to talk to you about faith and righteousness. What does righteousness have to do with faith? Why is it so important that I understand and know who I am? We talk a lot about, we hear a lot about identity today. Um, you know, people trying to figure out who they are, what they are, and, uh, you know, uh, just the whole identity thing. Let me just tell you, this is nothing new under the sun. From the beginning of time, identity, from the time that Satan was thrown out of heaven was with his one-third of the angels, identity has come into question. He has attacked identity over and over and over and over again. In the garden, he attacked Adam and Eve and their identity. He attacked the word of God, for one, but then he also made them question, do, are they really who God says that they are? And then we go, we go to Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. It says that Abram, you know, if you remember the story about Abram and Sarai, Abram was in a land of his fathers, and God called him out of there and said, I want you to go to this other land. And so Abram gathers up his wife and his, all of his belongings and his servants, and, and he goes, he moves. And God tells him, he says, he says, I am going to make you, Abram. Now, at this time, Abram does not have children, and he's 75 years old, thereabouts. And God says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And Abram's kind of like, okay, well, I'm old. Sarah's old. All right, you know, maybe you're going to do it through my servants. And God said, no, that's not how it's going to happen. You know, and God began to open up his eyes and showed him, you know, as the sands of the, of the beaches and as the stars in the sky, so shall your children be. So Abram goes along and Sarai goes along and several things happen. And, of course, they don't get pregnant. So they come up with plan B, and that doesn't work out right. And so God comes to Abraham, Abram again, eventually changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So every time that Abraham heard his name, he heard father of many nations, who he was, father of many nations. And so as Abraham is going along and again, things begin to happen and he kind of alters and, and what, what he believes is God's will for him and, and, and God comes again and tells him, Abraham, I've called you, and I've called you a father of many nations. As the sand is on the, on the sea, so shall your children be. You are father of many nations. Again, God comes to Abraham and tells him, renews and reminds him of the covenant that he's made with him. Nine times in 25 years, God comes to Abraham and reminds him who he is who he is. Why? Because the world around him was trying to tell him he was somebody else. Because let me tell you this, Abraham, 
was trying to tell him who he was, that he was not the father of many nations. Sarah was trying to tell him, you're not a father of many nations. We don't have any children. Nine times in 25 years, God came to Abraham. How many times has God come to me and told me, Sharon, I've called you by your name. Sharon, I've set you free. Sharon, I've told you that you are a fruitful plain and that you're going, to, you're going to bring forth much fruit in this land. Sharon, I've told you. I've called you out of darkness into my marvel. Sharon, I've told you. I could tell you over and over and over again in the last 40-some years, I've had God come and remind me who I am. Who I am over and over and over again. And it's because, and it's not that he comes in an audible voice he has, but mainly it's through his word that as I, I'm reading his word, I see, oh, this is who God says that I am. So as Abraham is going along, eventually Sarah conceives and bears a son after 25 years. So in that time, he begins to see, now I'm a father of many nations. And so, as it says there in Genesis 15 and verse 6, it says, And Abram believed God. And in, uh, in the New Testament, I think it's, uh, I forget, I don't know, I wrote it down somewhere. It says, And Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. For righteousness. Now, what does righteousness mean? Righteous, righteousness means vindicated right standing, the condition acceptable to God. So Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham now, because he believed God, now I want you to notice here, it wasn't that he believed in God, but it says there that he believed God. What was it that Abraham was believing? He was believing the word that God said to him. Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Abraham, you are a father of many nations. Abraham, as the, as the sand is on the seas, so shall your children, as the stars are in the sky, so shall your children. Abraham, you are a father of many nations. Abraham believed God. He believed what God said about him. And it was accounted to him. It was credited to him for righteousness. Now, let me tell you this. Let's go into the New Testament. Jesus became sin for you and I. He died on the cross for you and I because we couldn't do that for ourselves. It says that he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. It's not by works that are, we are saved, but it's by faith. It's by faith, grace through faith that we are saved. What does that do for us? That makes us now, it puts us into right standing with God, meaning that now we are righteous before God, not because of anything that you and I, it's not by works. It's not because I'm a good person. It's not because I help the poor. It's not because I give my money to the church. It's not because I love my neighbor. It's not because I love my husband. It's not because I love my children. It's because I believed God. 
that what he said he would do. Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and that God did raise him from the dead, then you are saved. We've talked about that word saved before. It's the word sozo. It means salvation. It means more than just salvation. The fact that we now have fire insurance, we're not going to hell. It's more than that. It's, it's also our welfare. It's our health. It's the whole being. I like how Creflo Dollar says, it's nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what salvation is for you and I. So faith in righteousness. As Abraham was believing God, it was accounted to him, it was credited to him for righteousness. Now, righteousness, again, is right standing the condition acceptable to God. It's also, there's also a justification. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this terminology, but justification, that you are justified by faith. I like how T.L. Osborne used to teach it. He taught it this way. He said, justification is just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned, justification. Well, I, but I did sin. But are you forgiven? Well, yeah, I'm forgiven, but I did sin. Yes, but God has justified you just as if you've never sinned. It's by the blood of Jesus now that you are justified. Yeah, but I know that, but I did sin. Well, see, if you still have a sin mentality you're going to live. If you have a sin nature mentality, then that's where you're going to live. And in order for us to live by faith and walk by faith and to grow our faith, we have to come and understand, and, and hear me on this, it's not, it's, it's nothing again that we have done, but it's all about accepting what Christ has done for us. Either I accept it or else I deny it. Either, and I know this is hard. Yes, but Sharon, I deal, you know, but I was such a bad person. I get that. I understand that. I hear that. I live that. I know that. But until I can get myself up and say, you know what? Yes, old things, Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a, he's a what? A new creature. A new creature creation. What does that What does new mean? Totally different than what it was before. Not the same. It's not the same. You know, it's, I like to redo furniture. I like to take old furniture and sand it down and repaint it or re-varnish it or make it look, make it look like it's new again. But you know what? It's not new. It's old furniture that's been repainted. But you and I, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if I have got to, I have got to get myself out of the mentality that I'm an old sinner saved by grace. It is true I'm saved by grace, but I'm not an old sinner anymore. But So you're saying you don't ever sin? I, I say that, yes, I walk by faith and I walk in grace. 
Do I make mistakes? Do I fall? Of course. Do I have attitudes? Oh, I got big attitudes. Do I ever have bad thoughts? Oh, I have bad thoughts. But what am I going to do with those bad thoughts and what am I going to do with those bad attitudes whenever those things come up and they're, and they're brought up before me? I have a choice to make. I can either say, you know what? I'm going to sit here with this for a while. This feels good. It feels good to be justified. It feels good to be angry. It feels good to harbor all of this resentment and, and, and all of this anger on the inside. It, it just feels right. After all, they did me wrong. Now, I could sit there and wallow in that, or I can decide to, you know what? It's true. They did say that. It's true. They did hurt me. But you know what? I choose life. I choose to walk in forgiveness. I choose to love. I choose. I choose God. I choose love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance, patience. I choose those things. I choose the fruit of the spirit and not the fruit of the flesh. So it's a choice that we have. So we have to learn that we have to walk in faith in our righteousness. And whenever we do that, it's accounted to us for righteousness. But then also then our faith can grow and develop in that. All right. Let's, uh, I got 20 minutes. Let's, um, let's look at some other people. How about uh, Moses and his identity? Remember Mos- Moses, here he was, he was a baby. His mother put him in a basket and, and hid him in the weeds. And, and the, uh, the princess came along, princess of Egypt came along, and she found him, and she took him, and she raised him. Here he thought he was an Egyptian all this time. His identity was in question. Who is he? Then one day he saw some guy fighting, a, a Jewish guy fighting with an Egyptian, or a Jewish guy fighting with a Jewish guy, and he ends up killing the guy. And so they sent him out into the desert. And out there in the desert, Moses finds out who he is. God calls him by his name. And he calls him with a holy calling and tells him, I want you to go and set my people free. What does Moses do? Mm-mm. What is he identifying? He's identifying with who he thinks he is and not who God called him to be. So Moses, he works all of that out. And eventually, of course, we know the end of the story. He goes back and he gets Aaron and they deliver the children of Israel. And, you know, 40 years. (laughs) What should have taken them 11 days, 40 years, here they are out in the wilderness around and around and around a mountain. But I could tell you this, Moses knew at the end of his life what his identity was. Let's talk about, how about, how about, um, Joseph. Joseph, as a, as a child, as a little boy, a little, not a little boy, but as a young teen, he has a dream. God gives him a dream. And it's a dream about the future. And so he shares it with his brothers, and his brothers say, you know, you're a snotty-nosed little brat. You're arrogant. That's never going to happen. They take him, bind him, and throw him in a, in a, in a, in a well, and then sell him, sell him off. And so here he is, Moses or Joseph, 
in his identity, you know, here he thought that he was his father's favorite son and, you know, he was going to grow up and he was going to do this and accomplish this for God and was going to do that for God. And, and here he is living in, in the enemy's territory, working in, in and out of prison. <laughs> He's in and out of prison a couple of times. He ends up in the palace, working in the palace, thrown into the prison again. And eventually, he ends up working for the government. And he ends up saving his family from, from starvation. Identity. Most, Joseph had to find out who he was. How about David? David's a shepherd boy out in the, out in the fields, watching his, his father's sheep, protecting the sheep, killing the lion, the bear. He's, you know, probably wolves have come in also to try to get the sheep. And then God sends Samuel, the prophet, and says, hey, I want you to go and anoint the next king of Israel. So Jesse has all of his sons come in except for David, because David, after all, is just a shepherd boy. You know, he's not this big kid and muscular, and he's not in the army, and He's not really a leader. And God says, nope, there's one more. There's one more. Samuel says, is it there? Don't you have another son? Well, yeah. He's, you know, it's just David. It's just David. His identity was questioned. They brought David and God said, this is the one. Samuel anointed him. But he wasn't the king right then. He didn't become king until years later. And, but then one day, his dad says, hey, I want you to go and I want you to take cheese and, and bread to your brothers. They're on the front line. And David goes and he hears this giant, the enemy of Israel, defying the Holy One, the God of Israel, cursing him. And David's looking around at his brothers and at the army and thinking, what are you guys doing? Do you not know who our God is? And so he goes out and he faces Goliath. Goliath is just spewing all kinds of identity, nasty things at him and says, I'm going to throw your, you know, your head to the, to the birds and they're going to eat, the, eat you and blah, 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 blah. And as David's walking along, he's picking up one stone, he says, this is for the bear. Picks up another, this is for the lion. Picks up another stone. And I remember the time that, picks up five stones, puts them in a slingshot, winds up, and he begins to prophesy to the giant, to Goliath, and begins to say the same thing that you're saying to me. I'm telling you that I will have your head and the God of Israel will be Lord. And so he kills. You know, what was that? David, I was identifying with who he was and who his God was on the inside of him. Righteousness. Righteousness. I want you to look with me to, um, at Second, Second Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8. I'm reading this out of the Amplified. It 
we're going to read um, 8 through 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 8 through 12. Do not blush or be ashamed then to testify to and for our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake. But with me, take your share of the suffering to which the preaching of the gospel may expose you and do it in the power of God. For it is he who delivered and saved us and called us with a calling in itself, holy and leading to holiness, to a life of consecration and vocation of holiness. He did it not because of anything of merit that we have done, but because of and to further his own purpose and grace, unmerited favor, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began eternal ages ago. So what's, what's Paul saying to Timothy here? He's saying, listen, he says, God has called you with a holy calling. So when the enemy wants to come and call you by your natural identity, your old man, the old sinner, when he wants to call you, you know, like for example, in my case, you know, when he wants to call, when he wants to come to me and he calls me, Sharon, you were an adulterer. Sharon, you were a fornicator. Sharon, you were a this. Sharon, you were, you were drunk. Sharon, you were a blasphemer. A blasphemer. Sharon, you were this. Sharon, you were that. I have to remember, no, that's, that might have been who I was, but God has called me with a holy, a holy calling. Now, remember, whenever we talked a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that whenever we speak the word of God, the word of God is holy. The word of God is holy. If you notice out here for a few weeks, Sonia has had some things up about the word of God and where the word came from. And, and, and one, in one place, they talked about how that they, they would have scribes and how the scribes would, would write the word of the Lord. And those scribes, they had to be sanctified. In other words, they had, to be, they had to be purified, sanctified. There was a ritual that they had to go through in order for them to be able to write the Holy Scriptures. And as they would write those, if they made a mistake, oh, they couldn't get out the whiteout and put on the parchment. Or they couldn't just take the, the quill and cross it out the wrong word and cross it out. No, 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 no. They had to start all over again. That's how valuable they measured the word of the Lord. I wonder how you and I treasure God's word. I wonder how much, how much, how much stock, how much value do we put in the word of God? Or do I just spew out God's word? Well, I'm not feeling well. Well, by the church of Jesus, I'm healed. I have a need. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. Which is all true. But that word is a holy word that we're speaking. Why is it holy? It's holy because God spoke it. And God is holy. And so when it says that he has called you with a 
not that it's not that your name is holy it's that God with the breath of God the holiness of God everything that is within God everything that God is who he is what he's done what he is doing he calls you with a holy calling that's the God that you and I serve. That's the God that's called us, as it says in one place, he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the God that we serve. That's holy God. That's Adonai God. That's Jehovah God. God's so, God's so holy that the Israelites could not even say his name. They could not even say his name. How holy do we put, how much holiness do we put into God's word? How much stock do we put, how much do we actually believe? Abraham believed God and it was accounted, it was credited to him for righteousness. How much are we believing? Well, but how much are you believing in what God said. It's a holy calling that he's called us to. A holy calling that he's called us to. Let's look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 through 17. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 through 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is how they amplified. I am not ashamed of the gospel, of the gospel, the good news of Christ. For it is God's power. Now that word power there is that dunamis, dynamite, miracle working power. Power. Dunamis, dynamite, miracle working power. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is God's power, dunamis, dynamite, miracle working power, unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and confident surrender and a firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17. For in the gospel a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith, as it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. So what's Paul saying here? Paul's saying, listen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power. And it's the power of God to bring about salvation. And that salvation is the salvation that will take you from faith to faith to faith to faith. Amen? Amen. So got to find out where I'm at here. All right. 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 21. In the Amplified, For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with and viewed as being in examples of, righteous, of the righteousness of God. What we ought to be approved and accepted, acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. So, again, Paul's telling the Corinthian church here, listen, 
is for our sake that God made Christ to be sin for us, for you and I. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Why? So that through him we might become righteous before God. See, we're talking about identity here. If I don't believe that I am in right standing with God, then whenever I come to the Father God and ask him, or believing that I'm believing, I'm going to struggle in my faith. I'm going to be a double-minded man, unstable. So this is why it's important that you and I understand who we are in Christ Jesus. It's so important that we understand, well, I believe I'm born again. Good. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that mean for you? Well, it means that I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Christ. Okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it means I'm not going to hell. Okay, what else does that mean? Well, I don't, I don't know. Do you believe that, that he also died on the cross and, and took stripes upon his back so that you could be healed? Well, yeah, I think. I think so. See, we're divided. We're not really all in yet. We're born again, yes. But we're not really all in yet. So from, from, from now until Jesus comes back or you die and go to heaven, this will be something we are going from glory to glory and from faith to faith in. None of us have arrived. Now, I might be further down the road than what I was three or four years ago in a certain area in my belief. You know, it's, it's, you know I, I never struggled with thinking that God could meet all of my needs. Because from the time that I was a teenager, I saw God do the miraculous. I mean, we, I came from a family of six kids. My dad worked, you know, as a pipe fitter welder. He thought, well, gosh, he should have made enough money. <laughs> Try feeding four boys and two girls. And yes, we raised our own food. We raised, but you know, I mean, we were hardworking. And we just didn't go to the mall every Friday night when dad got paid and went shopping and bought brand new clothes. We got new clothes for school. We got new clothes when we went to church camp. I got new underwear, new pair of socks. I got new socks and I got uh, a couple pairs of jeans and a few shirts. And then those were my school clothes, too. So they, not only were they camp clothes, church camp clothes, but they were school clothes. So I learned really early how to trust God for clothing. One day I got up and put on this dress that I always wore. I was a teenager. I always wore it to church, you know. And it was, it was up to here. But, you know, I came from a Nazareth background, so I didn't it had to be, you know, it had to come down here and touch my knee. So I'm putting it on and I'm going, Mom, I can't wear this to church, you know. And she says, well, you'll have to wear it today and then we'll just have to see. You know, she made some of my clothes and, you know, those of you who had parents that made, or mothers that made your clothes, you know how that is. You know, it's not the label. And so anyway, Went to church and somebody came up to me and said, hey, 
I have two or three boxes of clothes that my teenage, my teenage daughter, she was like a junior or senior in high school. I was a seventh grader. She says, she can't wear them anymore. Do you want them? I said, absolutely. I went home and I dug through clothes and wore clothes for at least a good year that that girl gave me. And they weren't just, they, weren't, they were not homemade clothes. They were labeled clothes. And I felt proud to wear those clothes. But it's because I learned to trust God. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I learned that really, really early on. Now, where I struggled in was believing that God loved me for who I really, really was. That God loved me no matter what I had done. God loved me. I, I, I really struggled with my identity in Christ. So I had to get out the scriptures and I had to get out the word of God and I had to get out the word and on identity and who I was in Christ and, and study those scriptures and renew my mind and wash my mind so that whenever the, the thought comes up and says, you know, Sharon, yes, but, you know, yes, you're a believer, but you're a soiled believer. What does that mean? I'm either a believer or I'm not a believer. Yes, but, you know, Sharon, you know, you did this whenever you were a kid, or you did this when you were a teenager, you did this as an adult. And so shame would try to come upon me, and I had to get into the Word of God and find out who I was in Him. And as I began to do that, I began to renew my mind with the Word of God and began to understand, you know what? Yes, it did happen, but I'm, that's not who I am anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, let's look, at, um, let's look at 1 John 5, and then we're, we're going to close out with this. 1 John 5, in verse 13. We're talking about faith, building our faith, faith builders, and understanding that we are righteous in God, and we have to understand that we are righteous in God because that will help our faith. Because we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, therefore I have the authority, I have the rights as a child of God. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if my kids come into my house, they know that they have access to whatever's in that house. Now, let your kids come into my house. Excuse me? What are you doing? Where are you at? What part of the room are you in? Why are you you know, going through my jewelry? Uh, get your hands out of my jewelry. That's not yours. But my kids identify with who they are, and they know that they have the right to come in. Now, I would appreciate it if they would ask, but... You know, sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. Okay, 1 John 5, and let's look at verse 13. I write this to you who believe, again, believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on the name of the Son of God in the particular services and blessings conferred by him on men, so that you may know with settled and absolute knowledge that you already have life, yes, eternal life. And this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness 
that which, which we have in him, we are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. And if, since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know was settled in absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions the request made of him. Again, why is it important that we know who we are in Christ? So that we can have the confidence, the assurance, that we know that whenever we ask anything according to his will, that, again, there's some stipulations there. Am I asking according to his will? Am I asking according to the word of God? If I am, then I can be assured that then I have the request that I've asked of him. So that's why. That's why it's important that we know who we are. So I'm going to give you just, I'm going to take just a couple of seconds here. We've actually got 10 minutes. And kind of just explain to you how, you know, we're talking about faith builders and how, how do we, how do we increase our faith? And of course, we've talked about that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Okay, great. All right, so I am, I am um, we're going to take one of these. We'll take the health and healing one. I'm drawing from the well of health and healing. So uh, in this one is 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. So I'm going to take this scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, actually out of Isaiah 53, 5. It says that <clears throat> he personally bore our sins on his own body on the tree as, on, as an altar and offered himself on it that we might die, cease to exist, to live to sin by righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So let's say that I'm dealing with a sickness in my body. I'm trying to overcome some things and physically you know, so how do I, how do I take scripture now and apply it to my, you know, build my faith with it? There's a couple of things that I do. One, I write out scripture. I find scripture, I write it out, and I keep it before my eyes. Whether it's on three by five cards, whether it's in a journal that I have that I've sectioned off. You know, you can take a journal and you, or, you know, a notebook and you can divide it up. Healing, finances. Uh, children, um, you know, marriage, whatever, you know, um, whatever it is that you're, that you're believing God for. And you could write those scriptures out then in those sections. And so, um, you know, there's three different ways that we learn. One is auditorial, okay, we hear it, we get it. I don't like people like that because they hear it, they get it. I'm like, I have to hear it, I have to see it, I have to touch it and pull it apart. So, one is visual so there's visual learners they see it they get it okay and then there's kinesthetic learners they have to pull it apart okay they're, they're the kid that takes the toy on Christmas morning and gets out the screwdriver and the hammer and has the toy all apart so they can see how it works and then they put it back together okay that's a kinesthetic learner so <clears throat> you know depending on how how you learn is how that you're going to you know, take the word of God in. So if you're an auditorial learner, this is what I would do. I would take out your, your uh, phone, on your phone, 
every, every smartphone at least has, and most everybody has a smartphone, has what you call a recorder. <clears throat> or a voice memo. So it has it has it has a voice memo, a recording, something on it that you can that you can record. So this is what I do because I'm an auditorial learner at times and it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so it, you know also fear comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. And so if I'm if I'm listening to all of the negative stuff even in my own mind me telling myself Sharon, you are this, Sharon, you are that, Sharon, you are this. I take the word and I read it. I push record and I will read it. And so I have a couple things on here that I have, like when I was really dealing with lies, what we call saboteurs that we tell ourselves. When I was really dealing with that, I took those lies that I was telling myself and I found scriptures that spoke to those lies and I read those to myself. And so I re pushed record and I read those scripture. The lie is, you're not good enough. The truth is, God says that he loved me and he gave himself for me. Okay? And so push, I push record, read the scripture. Push record, read the scripture. Then, once I'm done with that, I will take, I will, while I'm in the shower driving down the road, fixing dinner, thoughts are coming. Oh my gosh, we're not going to have enough money for the end of the month. We're not going to, you know, oh my gosh, the pain in my body. Oh my gosh, play. And I hear myself speaking the word. Now, it's strange. It's strange to hear yourself on recording. But listen, you hear yourself anyway in your mind. You're listening to yourself anyway. Why not? play the word of God. And so I do this, I do this a lot, you know, especially at the beginning of the year, we write out our goals, we get our goals, I put scriptures with our goals, then I sit down and I read those scriptures. This is our goal for the year. This is what God says about that goal. And I'll read those scriptures over and over and over again. And then while I'm showering, brushing my teeth, fixing breakfast, whatever, I play, push play. So that's one way that you, can, that you can get the Word of God into your life. You know, and again, another way is to just <clears throat> get a 3 by 5 They make them now 3 by 5 uh, cards that are on spirals. Just write those out, you know. Or, you know, again, you know, on your, on your smartphone, you have a note section. You can just type in the scriptures or go to you version, copy and paste it into your notes section. And there you've got the word. We've got so many things that are available to us. So much so, you know, I think about now, you know, in preparing for this, for these messages, it used to be, I mean, I used to have to get the Strong's Concordance, the, um, the Amplified version. Then I also book uh, 26 different translations in it. And so, and, and then I've got commentaries, Adam's commentary, you know, different commentaries. I used to have this all over my kitchen table. 
And that's how I study. Now, I just get out my tablet and click, 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 copy, paste. Oh, and so we have, it's so much, I just think what Paul could do today, what he would do today, I mean, think of what he did with what he had then. He went to all of, of Asia Minor and preached the gospel. Think of, I mean, what excuse do you and I have today? Well, I'm just, you're called with a holy calling. Amen. Amen. All right. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. Did that help you? Yeah. Are there any questions? I mean, I know I asked you to stand. <clears throat> we have two minutes. If you have any questions, you're welcome to come up and ask me. And again, come up if you're dealing with any of these areas in your life. Just come up. You know, there's a few scriptures um, that are on there. scripture references. Some of them I did uh, go ahead and print out the scriptures, but draw from the well of salvation. Okay? Amen? Amen. Let's lift up our hands tonight. Father God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you that, Father, as we've heard your word tonight, Father, we take it in, we receive the engrafted word of faith, Father God, tonight. We receive it. We receive it, Father. We receive it into good ground, holy ground. Father, we thank you that, Lord, we, Father, we will water this word, Father, with your Holy Spirit. We will, we will feed on this word, Father God. And Lord, we will watch this word develop in our lives, Father. Increase us, Father. Increase us, Father, more and more. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you. God bless you guys.